This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mayor, thank you for the warm welcome. So here's the thing. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just... There's something about the, and, and most of us, many of us went to school on the yellow school bus, right? And it's part of, it's part of our, our experience growing up. It's part of, a, you know, a nostalgia and a memory. Everybody, I'm Dave Rubin. Uh, that was Kamala Harris, and there's something wrong with that woman. It is October 27th, 2022. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. As always, uh, subscribe, tap that notification bell if you have not. We have a big, dense, jam-packed program for you today, uh, but we did have to add something in this morning because I woke up this morning and this device, which we all have, and many of us leave on our nightstand at night, and it's probably emitting all kinds of radio waves and God knows what electromagnetic static and who knows frying all of our brains. Most of us keep it on our nightstand. I really try not to. I try not to. Every now and again, I do. I woke up this morning. My phone was like burning hot. It was melting. I had a gajillion notifications. What's happening? What's happening? Turns out that this Donald Trump guy, you remember Donald Trump, former president of the United States, uh, he on, I was going to say he tweeted out, he did not tweet it out, on Truth Social, uh, which is his social network, which actually is, has a pretty decent amount of traction, and I am posting on there as well. Uh, last night, Donald Trump clipped a portion of my interview with Megyn Kelly from about 10 days ago, where I was asking Megyn what she thought about the DeSantis versus Trump situation. Uh, and Trump got a clip of it, put it out on truth, and uh, well, basically all hell's been breaking loose. So here is the, the portion, it's about a minute long, that Trump sent out. If they got on a stage, you, you don't think that DeSantis is, is crafty enough or no. stands enough? To, really? No, I don't even think that a little. Um, I think Trump sucks up all the energy in every room, no matter what, and even someone as skilled as a politician and smart policy-wise, as DeSantis can't overcome that. He can't. You really think the hardcore MAGA is gonna abandon Trump or DeSantis? They're not. They, they like DeSantis, but they don't think it's his turn. They think Trump was screwed out of his last election, that he was screwed out of his first term by all the craziness, the Russia gate and so on. And they think he's, he is entitled. He deserves another shot at it. Like the hardcore Trump faithful is unshakable. They like DeSantis, but they would never cross Trump for him. And they think that DeSantis owes his political career to Trump. Like if forced to choose, they will choose Trump. So DeSantis can't take him down. It's like the line in war games. The only winning move is not to play. DeSantis has got to either be crowned by Trump um, or he shouldn't run. He won't win over Trump. I, I'll stand by that. You can play it against me if I'm wrong, but I won't be.
Okay, pretty interesting stuff. And obviously, Megyn Kelly is opinionated. You know, Trump has actually gone after Megyn Kelly. Let's not forget one of those first debates uh, when he went directly after her. Uh, by the way, before I even get into this anymore, I just want to send, I, I've already uh, texted her, but I want to send a little love directly to you, Megyn Kelly, because uh, Megyn lost her sister, uh, who's only 58 years old. She lost her a couple days ago. So just sending some extra love to you, Megan. Um, what's interesting about this, obviously, is that Trump has not announced that he is running for president. DeSantis certainly has not announced that he is running for president, but the, but the tension exists. And as I've been saying for quite some time, the media really, really wants there to be a rift here because they know how bad the Democrats are looking. You know how bad the Democrats are looking. The polls are showing how bad the Democrats are looking. Uh, they have a guy who, in essence, you know, has some form of dementia leading the party, and everyone else are just sort of woke, progressive nutbags, and, and the party has to just continue down that path until it implodes, and then we'll see. As I always say, maybe a phoenix can rise from the ashes of the Democratic Party, but I wouldn't hold my breath. So in, es in essence, what the media really needs is Trump to de destroy DeSantis or DeSantis to destroy Trump. Now, I actually agree with some of what Megan is saying there, for sure, uh, that the base, the hardcore MAGA base, and I say this as a guy that voted for Trump, and if DeSantis doesn't run, I will support Trump for sure. Like, it's not even a question, and I'm absolutely, maybe it won't be either one of them, but I'm voting for a Republican no matter what. I can't imagine the Democrats magically uh, putting someone sane up. Uh, but the hardcore Trump base, the people that are out there at the rallies and with the flags and all of those things, I sense that if both of the guys were running, Trump and DeSantis, like they're gonna go Trump. It's just how it is. Now, I don't know that, that that's how you you get a sort of winning coalition by just going to the base. However, in a primary, you kind of do have to get the base. So what, what Megan really is talking about there is a tactical thing. Like it's a tactical, how do you get through the primaries to become president. She isn't saying who she thinks, at least in that clip, wasn't saying who she thinks would actually make a better president, right? Who would actually be a more effective leader, who could get more done, et cetera, et cetera. She's talking about a tactical point. Anyway, we shall see how this all plays out. And again, to me, it's like, this is sort of win-win either way. Let's say Trump announces he's running. Well, okay, you, you know what you're getting with Trump, right? And then DeSantis is like, okay, I'm, I'm just not going to run. Well, DeSantis is about to crush it in his reelection next week, in essence. And it's like, all right, so then DeSantis will stay here in Florida and Florida will do great and hopefully Trump will win and it's, it's all good. So I think a lot of, you know, the me I can see the media is going all over this thing. And it's like, they want these guys to destroy each other. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. I want to show you a, uh, a headline and a bit of an article uh, from Politico. This is from yesterday. Uh, Trump to hold rally in Florida with Rubio, but not DeSantis. It's written by two guys, uh, Matt Dixon and Gary Finout. I didn't know who they were until this morning. I did a little check-in on Twitter because I read the article. And as I've been saying to you guys for quite some time, this is what the media wants. They want there to be a collision between these two because that is the thing that could destroy the Republicans. Obviously, you split the party in two, congratulations, we get more Democrat rule. Uh, so I've read the article. I don't like reading things from Politico because it's, it's trash. It's just corporate Democrat trash. Uh, but I did notice a certain something in the, uh, in the piece. Do we have the, uh, the tweet there? Uh, there was no one directly quoted in the article, it was uh, people in, quote, DeSantis's orbit. It was people, quote, 
close to the governor. It was a guy that's, quote, another person. And as I wrote and I tagged the two journalists, uh, this isn't journalism, it's fiction. These people are not journalists, they're creative writers. That is not journalism. I'm sorry, it's not journalism. I get that under certain circumstances, perhaps with state secrets, high-level FBI, CIA stuff, and I'm not even sure I even agree with this, there could be some level at this point for anonymous sources, but it pretty much doesn't work anymore. Knowing that the media lies about everything, you cannot, well, you can do it, I suppose. Politico can do it. They put up an article, and then everything in it cannot be fact-checked because it was all... People that are in the orbit, the orbit of DeSantis, what does that mean? Well, I guess the governor's mansion's up in Tallahassee. They got a Starbucks in Tallahassee. I'm guessing there's a Starbucks. The Starbucks is kind of in the orbit of the governor's mansion. And I spoke to the guy who cleans the bathroom at the Starbucks in Tallahassee orbit. You see what I'm doing there? So these people lie about everything. And I only bring all of this up to push a, a theme that I'm always trying to get across to you guys, which is know the way they lie. Know the way they lie. They want to create a fight and they will lie and print articles and opinion pieces and everything else with anonymous sources and people in orbit and another guy said this and all of that stuff so that they can get their agenda across. Now I can get to the theme of today's show, which is that the agenda ain't working and you guys are seeing through it. And it's not just you guys. It's, it's almost everyone seeing through it at this point. And obviously the big story of yesterday is that Elon Musk of Tesla, of SpaceX, of Neuralink, of Starlink, uh, he has officially bought Twitter for better or worse. And this is a major threat to the establishment. This is a major threat to the corporations. This is a major threat to all of the people who purport to be journalists, but only spread nonsense. Uh, because what's going to happen is there's going to now be, I assume this is what Elon is going to do. It's what he's been teasing all along. There's going to be an even playing field as opposed to shadow banning, as opposed to censoring, as opposed to, say, getting rid of accounts like Project Veritas when they do journalism, exposing people at Twitter, perhaps putting the former president of the United States back on there. So things are going to start getting really interesting as if they weren't getting interesting enough knowing that we're about to roll into these midterms. So the point is, guys, we have momentum. We're close, like we're really close. And, and what does that promised land look like? That promised land just looks like getting rid of these woke buffoons and the censorious people that are allies with them and then just getting back to America that we had 10 years ago. And then we can, we can do some other things around that. But that's really what I think we can get back to. I think we're really, really close, but we gotta know that we can get there. So that's what we're doing today. Let me talk to you guys about Patriot Mobile real quick. You know, I recently did a show on woke corporations and their origins. Thankfully, conservatives are creating a parallel economy that's thriving, and I want to tell you about a new sponsor that's making a real difference. Patriot Mobile has exploded over the last year. They're proud conservatives offering a real alternative for people tired of funding major cell phone carriers who've all gone left. Patriot Mobile is a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates. People who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. In fact, their PAC, Patriot Mobile Action, flipped 11 school board races across Texas not too long ago. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. 
They offer the same nationwide, nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. So you get the same great service minus the leftist propaganda. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Ruben or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation when you use the offer code Ruben. Special discounts also available for veterans and first responders. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. Patriotmobile.com slash Ruben. Patriotmobile.com slash Ruben or call 972-PATRIOT. And now back to me. All right. So it has happened. We've been talking about it for quite some time. It looked like it was going to happen. Then it wasn't going to happen. The board tried to stop it from happening. Then he wanted out. Then the board wanted him in. Then the price wasn't right. Then there were bots. It was a whole thing. I'm doing a lot with my head right now. You see what's happening here. But it has happened. Elon Musk officially has the Twitter. And he walked in to Twitter offices in uh, sort of Elon Musk fashion yesterday. He's holding a sink, that's right, because he wanted to let people have it sink in that he was taking over. You see what he did there? That is what he did. Uh, and then he got there, and uh, as far as I know, nobody jumped out of a window or anything like that. And then Elon even tweeted this, meeting a lot of cool people, people at Twitter today. Okay, so that... That seems pretty good. Let's give you a little more context for what's going on here. Here's some info from the Daily Wire. Billionaire Elon Musk will reportedly gut Twitter with massive cuts when he takes over, getting rid of the overwhelming majority of the company. The Washington Post reported that Musk told prospective investors that he plans to get rid of nearly 75% of Twitter's 7,500 workers, whittling the company down just to a skeleton staff of over 2,000. The report said that the planned cuts by Twitter's executives helped to explain why the company wanted to sell to Musk once he made the offer. The social media platform has been fighting Musk in court over his attempt to cancel a previous offer to buy the company for $44 billion, a move he said was driven by concerns that executives were underestimating the actual number of fake accounts on the platform. Musk revived his efforts to purchase Twitter earlier this month. Beyond his concerns about the fake accounts, Musk has voiced criticism over lackluster support on Twitter for free expression. He began his shakeup campaign several months ago with a poll for his millions of followers regarding the platform's adherence to the principle of free speech. Okay, so a couple things here. Now, first off, he's buying this at a premium on the shares. So the, the, if you own shares of Twitter, you're feeling really good right now because who else was gonna buy this thing? How legit is the company? Is it all bots? Are you even really seeing ads on Twitter? Like it just doesn't even feel like a functional company. It's a thing we all talk about. It's a thing that is transmitting information. It's basically the, the PR wire of the modern age. It's, it's, so it's obviously very relevant as annoying as it might be. And I would welcome all of you that are not on there to stay not on there. Uh, but it, it is an important thing. But what's interesting about this is uh, the two parts here. So one, or I guess three parts, he buys it for a crazy amount of money. But now uh, he also says, hey, I'm firing 75% of the people. That's a, that's a pretty rare thing that you would buy something that you think is valuable and then also come in and get rid of most of the people. However, he knows most of the people are woke activists. They've been the people doing the censoring. Uh, we're gonna show you in a video in just a moment. It doesn't look like most of these people actually work for a living, et cetera, et cetera. So you're gonna fire most of the people, but what's even more interesting than that, number three here, is that this bot situation doesn't seem to have been resolved yet. 
no one seems to really know. Perhaps Elon does. Perhaps this will come out now in the next couple of days. I, I would imagine that he and his guys right now are just combing through documents. I don't know if it's on. I don't know if they print things over there on Twitter or they're just doing it all on the computer machine. But they've got to be combing through everything, really trying to figure out what did the programmers do here to either inflate bots or or uh, suppress certain information or shadow ban things or were workers checking people's DMs. I can only imagine. Uh, what they, these people were doing. And it's, as I always say, when it comes to big tech, it's not the things that I can imagine that they're doing. It's the things that I can't imagine that they're doing. Uh, so if you want to see a bit of what it's like to work at Twitter, this is so incredible. It's, this is wild, guys. And just trust me, you two people in this room right now, you're never going to get away with any of this stuff over there. Uh, this is a day in the life. A Twitter employee actually posted this. Why would he fire all these people? What is it that they're doing all day? Uh, well, a Twitter employee actually posted this not too long ago. Welcome to a day in my life as a Twitter employee. So this past week, went to SF for the first time at a Twitter office, badged in. Honestly, took a moment to just soak everything in. What a blessing. Also started my morning off with an iced matcha from the perch. Then I had a meeting, so quickly scheduled one of these little pod rooms, which were so cool. They're literally noise canceling. Took my meeting, got ready for lunch. Look how delicious this food looks. Oh my goodness. I was so overwhelmed. Then made my way down to this log cabin area. I don't know what this is, but it was really cool. Played some foosball with my friends to kind of unwind a bit. Um, also found this really cool meditation room that I thought was super neat. Um, I didn't do any yoga, but they have this yoga room if you were a yogi, so also thought that was really cool. Um, had a couple more meetings in the afternoon, had a ton of projects that we needed to knock out. Say hey to my teammates. Um, <laughs> went to the went to the library to kind of get some more work done. Obviously had to have our afternoon coffee, so made some espresso. And then before leaving for the day, had some red wine um, that's on tap went up to the rooftop and just honestly enjoyed the beautiful weather. So awesome trip. I can't imagine why he would be firing two thirds of these people. I mean, clearly they're not doing work. They're playing foosball. Uh, they're, you know, look, it is true that here at the Rubin Report headquarters, I do have tequila on tap, but that's for me. It's for me. It's not for you guys. You guys can't just go to the tequila on tap that we have here. I mean, how like that is child. It's such a it's, it's childish nonsense. It's such an example of what has happened with this generation that we allowed to become part of these companies and they destroy these companies because they never became mature because they never became adults and they need to play foosball in the middle of the day and drink wine. And oh, it's just. Yes, you're getting fired. By the way, a, a bunch of people that work at Twitter have been publicly going after Elon since he has taken over. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's grounds for dismissal. Guys, I just want to be very clear about that. If you ever tweet anything negative about me, you got to pack it up. No more Chipotle, no more tequila, no more nothing. Uh, I saw this funny meme of the whole situation that kind of encapsulates it. So, of course, this is uh, from the Avengers, Thanos. And, you know, when he snapped, he was able to get rid of all of the screaming Twitter people that are there, and yes. So look, the guy's got a lot of power right now. He has absolutely a lot of power. And what happens when you have a lot of power? What happens when you're relevant or interesting? The machine starts moving on you, right? What happened to say, 
uh, Joe Rogan as he got bigger and bigger and bigger and started questioning things about COVID. The machine started saying he was a racist and tried to get him booted from Spotify and everywhere else. This is what happens so you can feel it. And Elon had to know this, but it's kind of coming for him now. We've got more from the Daily Wire on just that. President Joe Biden's administration is reportedly weighing subjecting Elon Musk's business dealings to national security reviews due to how much power he is acquiring. Bloomberg News reported that the administration is specifically wanting to scrutinize Musk's Twitter deal and SpaceX's Starlink satellite network. The news comes after the Washington Post reported Thursday afternoon that Musk told prospective investors that he plans to get rid of nearly 75% of Twitter's 70 7,500 workers, whittling the company down to a skeleton staff of just over 2,000. So you can see what's happening here. He's, he's coming out. He's influencing things. The guy's got money. He's invented an awful lot of stuff, right? Like, I don't begrudge him any of his money. I don't begrudge him any of his power. Now he's buying Twitter. And the, and the interesting one about Twitter, it's like, this doesn't strike me as, like, this is me going for more money. This, this is an influence <coughs> But you are allowed to do that in a free society. Now the government's going to look into him because they don't like what he might do with Twitter. Now that's bizarre because has the government been looking into Twitter while Twitter was censoring Hunter Biden? Has the government been looking into Twitter when Twitter uh, blew up the account of the sitting president of the United States, Donald Trump? Uh, has Twitter... Has the government looked into Twitter as people from MSNBC and blue check people and even the president of the United States himself, Joe Biden, lied about the COVID vaccine and everything else? But now somebody that doesn't fully fit the corporate narrative, he's got the Twitter, he's got the blue check, and this is a problem for them. Uh, and it's a problem for us, I think, as well. Uh, and here's something that uh, Elon tweeted that I think also gets to the heart of it. He said, and this is just yesterday, he said, a beautiful thing about Twitter is how it empowers citizen journalism. People are able to disseminate news without an establishment bias. Yeah, that's true. And that's what has made Twitter so great for so many years. That's why so many people have been angry at Twitter because when alternative voices, me, Shapiro, Crowder, the lefty versions of us, whatever it is, just people that are outside of the mainstream thing, outside of the corporate thing, when we started to get momentum, when we started to expose the nonsense, uh, then they started censoring us. So the, it, the whole thing kind of flipped on itself. Twitter became, it was originally supposed to be this open platform. And if you, if you are doing something good and you're doing something funny, perhaps, and irreverent and interesting, you're going to get more traction, get more tweets. But then it got taken over by bots and fake numbers. You know, the New York Times has, how many, how many Twitter followers does the New York Times have? Something like, I'm going to guess it's something like 60 million. They get four retweets. I could literally, you know, post a picture of my chapstick and a glass of water and, and get more than that and I'm shadow banned to high hell. You get it. But, but why is it? Why is it that we should even care? Why should you watching this care about Twitter? And why should you care whether the establishment uh, has anything to push back or not? Well, the thing is that the establishment runs cover for one side and tries to destroy another. The New York Times, by the way, has 55 million, uh, 55 million Twitter followers. So I want to show you a, a perfect example of how the corporate press runs cover for one side and tries to destroy the other side, as I just said. So here's a tweet from the New York Times. Uh, this is in reference to what's going on in Pennsylvania and John Fetterman, who we talked about, who's having all sorts of cognitive problems, having trouble speaking. 
unable to clearly lay out what his ideas are, et cetera, et cetera. So here's what they wrote about him. Doctors and disability rights advocates said John Fetterman's debate appearance was inspiring for many disabled people and that his halting speech didn't reflect any cognitive impairment. Now, I don't know how you could know that as a doctor just by watching somebody, but okay. Even so, some Democrats are worried voters may see, may see it differently. So what's interesting about that is you can see they're running cover for him, running cover and using the words of doctors who have not looked at him to you know, protect him from the things that we can all see. Uh, this is a little bit different than say a headline that they had against Republican Herschel Walker uh, not too long ago. Walker says he has overcome mental illness, but it's not so simple, experts say, the New York Times. So when one guy who's on their side, a Democrat, can't speak, well, it's not really that. Uh, when the other guy who's the Republican has overcome mental illness, well, no, no, let's not say he's overcome it. There's some other problems. You, you guys get it. It's just important to expose this nonsense. It's deeply important to expose it. And why is it important to expose it? Because the left has gone crazily radical. They, at this point, with almost no exceptions, and when I always say this, it's always, I don't mean your aunt who was a 60s liberal who doesn't know what time it is now. The entire left Democrat machine has gone crazy radical. How crazy radical has it gotten? Well, Raphael Warnock, who is a senator from Georgia, he's the guy that is the incumbent that, uh, that Herschel Walker wants to displace. Uh, here he is, he's a preacher as well. Uh, here he is in his church preaching. And, and you tell me, does this, sound, uh, does this sound godly? Does this sound uh, what one might go to church for, or does it sound um, racist? I don't, no matter what happens next month, more than a third of the nation that would go along with this is reason to be afraid. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness on, on full display. No, America does not need to repent for its worship of whiteness. First off, America does not worship whiteness. Secondly, you, Raphael Warnock, and the people that follow you, you are the racists because you believe that all white people must think the same thing, at, while at the same time believing that all black people must think the same thing, right? Because you're not really thrilled with black people who think differently. Herschel Walker, right? Um, this, this constant drive, it's almost done, guys. It's almost done if these elections go the way that they should. We're almost past it. And it's not that it's gonna stop. It'll always be there. It'll always morph. They'll always try to get your kids. It'll just keep going. Like it, it, don't, it won't stop and be, and be banned into oblivion. But we can do something major in 10 days. And the fact that that clip is not on every mainstream media uh, outlet right now, uh, that thing should be going, it's going viral within the conservative circles, of course. Here's Raphael Warnock making up something about the United States, in essence, calling half of the country, if not more racist and all of that stuff. This endless assault on white people, which interestingly, uh, remember when, uh, what was it, about two weeks ago when Tulsi Gabbard, former uh, Democrat, former Democrat candidate for the presidency, remember when she gave her little speech as to why she was leaving the party? She said it also had something to do with how anti-white the party had become. Yeah, it's right in our freaking faces. But what else is it? It's not just that they are the racists. It's also what I said earlier, that they run 
cover for these people. So the average person who doesn't have all data analyze politics and think things through. The average person is just flipping television, flipping on television, flipping the channels, and they stop on certain things and they go, oh my God, Republicans must be horrible and Democrats must be so nice because that's the way everything's framed. Here is noted racist Sonny Hostin on The View. And I think it takes real courage to show that you've been knocked down. I think it takes real bravery to allow people to see your weakness, right? And um, we know that Fetterman's cognitive abilities have not been compromised. It's about expression right. that, that has been aphasia. compromised. Aphasia, exactly. And, you know, this is a smart guy. Okay, so first off, how do we know that his cognitive abilities have not been compromised? I know they keep saying it, right? And doctors who have not... Uh, examined him, say it to the New York Times, and she says it there, but how do we know? Now, again, I have total sympathy with him as a stroke victim and anyone that is dealing with any cognitive stuff and having trouble speaking or any of the things. So I am not making a joke about that at all. I am showing you the way they run cover. Imagine if Ted Cruz suddenly was having trouble speaking. Imagine if Rand Paul was slurring his words and really confused and seemingly didn't know where he is, they would be going off on it. They would be absolutely going off. And, and not only they'd be going off on it and making fun of them, they'd also be saying, and you see, it proves that, they're, that their constituents are morons and racists and everything else because no matter whether the guy can speak or not, they're still gonna support them. So everything they do is a lie. Everything they do is a lie. And oh my Lord, I have a perfect segue speaking of liars because the other debate that was uh, two nights ago, yesterday, obviously we covered the Fetterman-Oz debate. Uh, and uh, the other debate was this Gretchen Whitmer. She is the governor of Michigan uh, and she is going against Republican Tudor Dixon. And if you wanna just see a liar in action, like an incredible, extraordinary liar, and they only do it because they can get away with it, here's Gretchen Whitmer. Governor, you've been in office for four years now. Harry Truman said the buck stops at your desk. You've had four years to try to fix education in this state. Why is it not where you would want it to go at least four years ago where you said you wanted to go? We've also had some historic challenges over the last <laughs> few years, I think, to put it lightly. You know, Mrs. Dixon says that I kept students out longer than any other state. That's just not true. I worked closely with my Republican and Democratic governors, and kids were out for three months. Lie, lie, you liar, and we all know it. Michigan had some of the most draconian lockdowns. There are a million articles how kids were out for well more than that, how when schools wanted to reopen, she worked with the, the teachers' unions to keep the kids out. Uh, she also, this is the same woman that literally did not want people gardening. She, she banned the sale of plants and vegetables that we, we saw plenty of images of it. I actually sent, I went shopping in crazy dystopian Los Angeles. I went to my Home Depot and I bought a bunch of seeds and I sent them to fans in Michigan. She is a liar and a terrible human being. But fortunately, there was another person on that stage, Republican Tudor Dixon, and uh, she was not having it. 
I'm pretty sure I just heard an audible gasp around town when Gretchen Whitmer said that kids were out of school for three months. Perhaps she wasn't paying attention to what was actually happening. Even We even had schools that were closed this year. This is shocking to me that she thinks that schools were only closed for three months. Or maybe she thinks she can convince you that schools were only closed for three months. But you know better because your students are the ones that are desperately behind. And the test scores show that she's being dishonest about this. She's being dishonest about even trying to get into these schools to get these schools back on track. Yeah, that's good. That's clear. That's honest. That's great. It's exactly what I always say. You tell the truth. You say it clearly. But the thing is, Whitmer knows she can say outright lies like that because of, again, media running cover for Democrats. So she has the balls to get up there. The the, the uh, moderator should have been like, what the F are you talking about, lady? This past year, not 2020, this past year, we were still closing down some schools here. Okay, so be it. Uh, Tudor Dixon, who I did not know a tremendous amount about before this debate, uh, she went after the debate. She got all the media around her. Like there were like 20 reporters right in her face and she just plowed through question after question after question after question and did an absolutely great job. The, the Democrats obviously are never subjected to that sort of uh, situation. Uh, here's about 30 seconds of it. Can you maybe talk about that? You know, what would have to go wrong, I guess, for you not to accept results I've in November? I just made it clear that if she runs an illegal election again, that would be a problem. I'm hoping that she won't do that. Tudor, you, cl- uh, Jonathan Osting, Bridge, Michigan. Um, you claim the governor forced people to get vaccines. Can you clarify that comment? Michigan never had a mandate. Um, I was talking about her Vax to Normal program that said if we wanted to have our freedoms and liberties back, that we had to get to a certain percentage of people that were vaxxed. Tutor Zach Gorchow from Dog Murder Service. You've been critical of um, schools remaining closed. But as governor, what would you have done for school districts? Their school boards decided we are going to remain in a virtual posture instead of going to in person. What could you have done? What would you have done? We saw other states like Florida that said we are going to have schools in person, that that's critical, and that's what we should have done in the state of Michigan. We saw schools, we saw other states opening their schools, and the children were safe, and they ended up having much less learning loss than the state of Michigan. Mrs. Dixon, Samantha Rich from the Michigan Daily. Um, Governor Whitmer kind of stressed her record of bipartisan collaboration, and I'm just wondering what your plan is to work across the aisle. Yeah, it's interesting that she talks about that because there are actually legislators that she's never met. So I would sit down with our legislators and meet with them regularly. All right, that's a small portion of it. She just went on and on and on. Try to picture, can you even picture a Democrat getting that kind of scrutiny? Just question, 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 question. What Democrat operative that would work for a campaign would even allow, even if it was, even if it could possibly happen, what Democrat operative would allow their candidate to be subjected to questions like that. They never would, but there she just stood there. You go, you go, you go, you go. She didn't lie, she didn't obfuscate, anything else. So the real danger here is that if someone like Gretchen Whitmer gets elected again, what is the signal that will be sent to her? It will be, oh, hot damn, I can lock people out. I can force vaccines. I can crush the economy and these clowns which is, I guess, all you can call them at this point. These clowns will say, thank you, sir. May I have another? Can you govern me harder? Could you do that for me? That would be just great. Could you take more of my money and more of my autonomy? You somehow, Gretchen Whitmer, are better than me and know how to live my life. So the point is, they. that's why this election is so important. It, it's cliche to say that sort of thing. This election is the most important, but this is it, people, because they will bring all of the crap back. Don't believe me? Well, Anthony Fauci's back. Here he is yesterday. And yeah, he still wants you to get injected with his experimental stuff. 
the updated, the bivalent COVID boosters, um, that they work about as well as the original boosters, but no better, which had, of course, been hoped that they would be kind of, they would be more protective, if you will. When the researchers compared the immune, immune responses of people who got a booster dose of the original shot to the people who got the updated bivalent COVID booster shots, um, they, they looked, the way that the research shows is they looked about the same. Is that disappointing news? Right. Well, if, if that is the case, it's not that disappointing because both of them work very well. I might comment that those studies, they came from very good institutions and very good investigators, both of whom I know well, but they're still not peer-reviewed, and the numbers in those studies were small. Right. What I'm really looking forward to, Kate, is the full data that we'll be getting, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, at the latest from the FDA, who will get the totality of the data that was submitted to them by the companies that did the study. So I think the jury is still out about that. But even if it turns out they're equivalent, they both did very well, which means there's no reason not to and a very good reason to get your updated booster shot. That's absolutely right. It had me thinking about just how you have to, especially with the influenza vaccine, how you have to plan ahead. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Oh, my God, I'm such a journalist. That's absolutely right. Um, sure, the last booster didn't really work, and we all kind of know it, which is why everybody has 87 boosters. And the head of the CDC, Walensky, she has COVID right now besides 17 boosters and 87 other shots and everything else. Oh, you're just, you're just so good. You're such a good man. Ugh, who's watching this? Anyway, the point is the first booster, it just really didn't work and we all know it. And we know that the vaccines don't stop transmission and all of that stuff. And now they're saying the new booster isn't any better, but he has to keep the grift going. He, he's, he's so in on it. And the guy is worth $5 million more million than he was worth two years ago. He's gotta keep the thing going. And what will they do if they retain power in about 10 days? Uh, what will they do? Well, they will be sure as hell to take that signal, boy, these people want more of it and they will figure out other ways to censor you because they've been doing it all along. Uh, check this out. This is from a guy by the name of Jason Leopold and he had uh, used a Freedom of Information Act request to get some info here. Uh, he got an email from Zuckerberg to Fauci on March 15th. We're building a coronavirus hub. I think it would be useful to include a video from you because people trust and want to hear from experts rather than a bunch of agencies and political leaders. Uh, this is March 15th of 2020. So this is at the height of all of this. Now it's interesting. So here's Fauci at that time working for Donald Trump, by the way, uh, and they are asking, Facebook is saying, hey, can you work with us to spread information? Now we know that basically everything Fauci has said for two years was a lie, but Facebook at that time wanted to work with him to get information out. And uh, do you think that maybe the administration was also working with Facebook directly? Uh, yeah, remember this one? This is from the New York Post. Uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Thursday, this is about a year and a half ago, that the Biden administration is identifying problematic posts for Facebook to censor because they contain misinformation about COVID-19. Saki disclosed the government's role in policing social media during her daily press briefing after Surgeon General Vivek Murphy, uh, Murthy called on companies to purge more pandemic posts. The demand for censorship and Saki's admission of the government involvement follows a series of flip-flops from health officials 
who contradicted themselves throughout the pandemic on issues such as mask efficacy, as well as censorship of claims that later gained credibility, such as the theory that COVID-19 leaked from a Chinese lab. We are in regular touch with the social media platforms and those engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff and also members of our COVID-19 team. Given as Dr. Murthy conveyed, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic, Saki said. I honestly believe, guys, honestly, that could have and perhaps should have taken the entire administration down right there. The First Amendment says that the government cannot infringe on your speech. If the government compels a private company or a public company to infringe on your speech, then that is as close to directly the government doing it as possible. Yes, they did not send jackbooted thugs into someone's house to force them to delete the post on Facebook, but they said to the company, do our dirty work for us. And do you think that maybe that comes with a little threat? We're going to maybe break you up or we're going to somehow regulate you or something else. And of course, all of the people that they were saying were sharing misinformation, like Dr. Robert Malone, who has since been booted off uh, off Twitter, the guy who has, I think, more mRNA vaccine technology patents than anybody, uh, they turned out to be right about almost everything. There was this other guy, and I, he's a bit of a right-wing nut, nut job, so you're gonna have to bear with me on this one. Some guy named Dave Rubin, he's got some, he's always babbling about God knows what for a living. Uh, remember when he tweeted this back in July of 2021? They want a federal vaccine mandate for vaccines, which are clearly not working as promised just, just weeks ago. People are getting and transmitting COVID despite vax. Plus now they're prepping us for booster shots. A sane society would take a pause. We do not live in a sane society. That nut job, Dave Rubin was suspended on Twitter for that. Of course, everything that he said, and again, the guy is completely bananas and should not be listened to. Turns out everything he said there was uh, totally true. Totally 100% true. And interestingly, the way he worded it, uh, by saying at the end, uh, we should just take pause and talk about it. Uh, seems like a pretty measured way of saying it, for, especially for a right-wing maniac, but here we are. Uh, let's shift all together because I couldn't even exactly figure out the way to get the segue from that to this, but I saw this video yesterday. It's so insane. Well, I think I can figure out a segue. A segue would be something like, these people are bananas. They are nuts and crazy and everything they say is, is psychotic, whether it's COVID, whether it's race, whether it's chopping genitals, children, uh, genitals, children's genitals off or the rest of it. Um, so I guess really though, what it would come down to, here's the segue for you. Would you really want this guy to be in charge of your speech? Here's Joe Biden yesterday, basically saying that black people don't know how to buy airline tickets. Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. But you don't know it until you purchase your ticket. Look, folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair and they hit marginalized Americans, the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. They benefit big corporations, not... Look, Joe Biden's racist. The Democrats that support this nonsense, they are racist. He literally just said that black people don't understand that if you buy a seat in premium class, where you're getting a couple inches left, these things somehow affect black people more. They have no idea what they're doing. He also said, you don't know it until you buy the ticket. Well, no shit, you go on the website. I often fly on JetBlue, I like JetBlue, okay? They let you, they have their little thing there where you're allowed to get chips yourself, you know, so you're a real adult. You can just walk up and get chips, it's very exciting. Uh, 
they have something called even more space. So when you're selecting your seat, if you select an even more space seat, which gives you, you're not gonna believe this, even more space, uh, you're gonna get charged a little more money. Uh, this is something in capitalism where if you get a better service or you get more of a product, you often have to pay more money for it. This is the free exchange of goods. Joe Biden seems to think black people cannot do this. They don't understand this. Joe Biden also thinks black people don't know where to get IDs. Now, this is very odd because you need an ID to get on a plane. So you would think these black people who don't know how to get on a plane in the first place, why would they even care about the six more inches of space? God help us. God help us. What are they talking about? What are they doing to all of us? Why are they doing it? We got to put these people out to pasture. We really do. I mean... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my black friend and ask if he has been able to. So stupid. So stupid. Anyway, so what do we have to do when it comes to all of this? Their stupid ideas are going to keep coming. They're going to keep banning us. They're going to keep deleting us and everything else. Well, what do we have to do? We have to get brave people to step up. And now to bring us full circle here, that's what Elon Musk is doing here, right? Twitter is not going to be some great financial win for him. It just isn't. The business model doesn't make sense. But he's paying an awful lot of money for it because I, I believe that he believes in free speech. And I think that that will help us correct all of this stuff because sunlight is the best disinfectant. So you may remember this video. This is, I think, about two months ago when he first started saying that maybe he was going to buy it and he was at least looking into it. Why did he even care? Well, he laid it out. I, I, I do think that we want to be just very reluctant to delete things and, and have um, just, just be very cautious with, with, with per permanent bans. Uh, you know, timeouts I think are better or, uh, than, than, than sort of permanent bans, and um, uh, but just just in general, like I said, how, how it won't be perfect, but I think we want it to really uh, have, like I said, the perception and reality that speech is as free as reasonably possible. Isn't it again? It's like when people are telling the truth, you just know they're telling the truth. What does he say? It won't be perfect. I don't think he loves the idea of the little timeouts, but he also doesn't want people going on Twitter and threatening other people, which of course, if you do that on Twitter, you do that on any other platform, you have a bigger problem than big tech. You have a legal problem, right? But what he's saying is we want reality and perception to, to add up so we can all make some sense of the world. That's why it's so, it's so twisted what happened with Twitter. Twitter, when, when it first came out, it was this incredible reflection of all of us, like you could put something out there and then people would see it and it was unmanipulated and the feed was chronological and you could put something out and if you said something funny or smart or interesting, people would share it and they'd communicate with you. And then it, and then it got weird. So at first it was a mirror. It was just a mirror for society. Hey, here's what I'm putting out there. It's reflecting back on me. There's something to, to make sense of here. But then over time, because of shadow bans, because of deletions and censorship, it became a funhouse mirror. And what happens when you look at a funhouse mirror? Well, then the place that we used to look at the mirror, it'll reflect, get an honest reflection. You go, oh, my hair's a little this today. It became a funhouse mirror and everything was distorted. And perhaps, do you think, when the biggest thing related, the biggest platform related to PR, how public relations tra travel, how the culture war is fought, when that thing, instead of being a mirror, becomes a distorting product. Do you think that might lead us to where we are right now? So maybe between these elections, between him getting this thing right now, maybe there's a chance. Maybe the thing is turning. 
But you know what? Even if he gets this thing and fix it, we still need alternative platforms no matter what, which of course is why I started Locals. It's why we merged with Rumble. And just a quick thing on the Rumble front because Rumble's doing a lot of good stuff right now. I think we have a tweet from Rumble. Update, in less than 24 hours, Steve will do it. So you guys know Steve. He's from the Nelk Boys and he's gone huge on Rumble right now. Uh, he's got more than 700,000 total views and 300,000 unique views on his first video. His channel's already at 175,000 uh, subscribers. And the only reason I'm even mentioning that is because his first video, he went down to Fort Myers, Florida. He gave away a whole bunch of trailers and products and goods and services to people donating a ton of money. And it's like, guys, there are people that are doing good things out there. And guess what, Steve? Yeah, banned from YouTube. That's why he's doing that on Rumble right now. Uh, so what does this all lead us to? I was trying to think, well, how do we wrap this show up in a nice tight bow? What, what are we really saying here? Well, if we can clean up the communication, if we can get rid of the politicians who lie like Whitmer and the bureaucrats who, who want power over you that they don't deserve like Fauci, what can we get back to? Well, we could get back to a state that is slim and trim and respectful of our rights because it didn't give us our rights. It is there to defend those rights. Uh, this is a beautiful throwback video we got for you of former prime minister of Britain, Margaret Thatcher, on why the state is not necessarily your friend when it comes to freedom. The essence of socialism is that you surrender quite a bit of power over your own life to the state. Well, we all do that to some extent, but of course it went much further. Uh, you pay very high taxes and they wish to um, take even higher taxes because they think that politicians can spend money better than the people can spend it. The more you take away, the less there is for private industry. And that's where the creation of wealth comes. So you have to establish very clear limits on the role of government. And really, you know, politicians, I think, should sometimes just be a little bit more modest about their abilities than they are. We can't run everything, and we shouldn't try. Mrs. Thatcher, though, you're going for attitudes. You know, when the state does everything for you, it'll soon take everything from you. You will then have no basis for personal freedom, political freedom, nor economic freedom. I saw it going much too far, and I think it would have gone even further had I not won that 1979 election. Too far ever to pull it back. Do I have to even add much to that? Is that not the heart of everything that I talk about here? Imagine if the state was just slim and trim and it couldn't give everything to you and it couldn't take everything away. It had no power to lock you in your house or force you to be ejected with something. Sure, it made sure there were police. It made sure we had a border, a couple other little things, but then it stayed out of your way and you had more money in your pocket to do with your resources what you see fit. And you could speak freely and all of that stuff. That's how this is all set up to be. And we have been getting very close to that cliff where we would give it all away. And this is a cyclical thing in time. That's what she's talking about there because uh, she had an election where she felt, hey, we're getting close to socialism. We're getting close to giving it away. That's where we're at. We're close, we're close. And if the election does not go the way that I think it will go, the signal will have been sent to all of the people that want more control over your lives. Gavin Newsom will get the signal and he'll go, I'll keep going. Gretchen Whitmer will get the signal. She'll go, I'll keep going. Then Trudeau will look at the election 
and go, ah, see, look at those Americans. I'm going to keep going. And they will keep going and going and going. Kathy Hochul will keep going. So what's happening? A couple brave people are stepping up. Tudor Dixon is stepping up in Michigan. Lee Zeldin is stepping up in New York. Elon Musk is stepping up on the tech side, right? More and more people are stepping up. And eventually, there are more of us than there are of them. And our ideas are right. So that's what you should be armed with when you go forward. It's like, we have the right ideas. And there's more of us. And maybe we just needed to be a little bit braver. That's where we at. That's exactly where we're at at the moment. Somebody did a video on PragerU called the bravery deficit. Who was that guy? It was the same guy that got booted off the Twitter for that other tweet that I read before. Weird, odd. Uh, a couple comments from the rubenreport.locals.com community. Tony says, Ruben Report employees have Chick-fil-A sauce and guacamole on tap. Actually, do you know what we're getting for lunch today? Did Daphne tell you? We're getting the Chipotle today. And I did get extra guacamole. Yeah, we haven't had it in a while. I know it's been a lot of salads around here. I'm just trying to, you know, stay fit. But yes, we are getting uh, Chipotle today. And yes, <laughs> that's funny. We have Chipotle. Uh, what, well, no, what's the Chick-fil-A? It's just Chick-fil-A sauce, right? It's just called Chick-fil-A sauce. We've got that on tap downstairs. Uh, Jeff says, good morning from a soon-to-be ex-Californian. Congratulations. Man, there are so many people in the community. Almost every day in the community, I see people posting, I'm getting out of here. Here's my U-Haul. I'm fleeing this place, blah, 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 blah. That's fantastic. Good for you. Uh, Ann says, I can't imagine Musk keeping Twitter headquarters in San Francisco. Yeah, that seems hard to believe. They still are in San Francisco. Look, he moved uh, out of California himself, obviously for tax purposes, but he moved Tesla to Texas. Uh, he's moving an awful lot of his stuff out of the state. He's also selling a lot of his properties and everything else. I mean, Elon, if you're watching this, uh, Florida would be pretty freaking fantastic. I just moved uh, two companies here, right? Locals is right here in Miami. The production company is right here. Our production company is right here in Miami. Plus Rumble is in Sarasota. There is, there's infrastructure here. You have a friendly government that doesn't want your taxes and wants to create opportunity. You can get non-social justice warriors to work for you. Um, he, he has a real challenge on his hands, but hopefully he's up for it. And hopefully, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. We'll see over the course of the next week or two. Does Twitter start feeling like it's not being uh, as censorious? Are the shadow bans going to be lifted? Do the follower counts make sense? And then what will happen if we have that even playing field? What, like, I think th that is actually something for us all to think about before I sign off today. Like, if we got that even playing field back, right, the, which was the promise of the internet, that we're all just going to put our stuff out there and see what happens. If we got that playing field back, how would we all react to it? Because this, the obvious truth is that the lefties who have been in control for so long and have been using the levers of censorship, uh, they're going to be very upset by what will happen when we have that even playing field. And for those of us that have been on the other side of that, the, the censored side of it, it's like, are we going to feel more emboldened? And maybe that helps flip the script as well. I'm very hopeful today on this fine Wednesday. No, today, Thursday. It's Thursday? What? Man, time is flying by. It's crazy, 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 crazy. Uh, guys, don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, and anywhere else. If you want to play along during the live chat and get our videos early and ad-free, you can go to rubenreport.locals.com. And uh, we leave you with a cold close, as I often say. You don't have to be a Republican, but you cannot be a Democrat. <laughs> Never forget. Democrats did this to your kids. Never forget. Democrat lockdowns. Never forget. Democrats defund the police. Our cities burn. Gas expensive as hell. Inflation out of control. Never forget. 
Democrats did this to you. Do different. Vote the R for cheap gas and affordable groceries. Put your mask on. Vote for people who will leave you alone. Put your mask on. Vote the R for safety, security, and sanity. Vote the R. Vote Republican. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.